want to echo the welcome to our Teen Challenge guys. Man, y'all know how we feel about you. We love you. God bless you. It's a blessing every time you guys are here with us, and uh, we trust that you guys are blessed as well. And so, hallelujah. So, and if, uh, if you're here for the first time today, uh, we welcome you. And, uh, you know, we prioritize relationship at this church. Uh, Dale said, our founding pastor said a long time ago, God revealed to him it's all about relationship. And, uh, you know, we can't do this community of church apart from relationship. And so um, we're not going to be overbearing. We're not going to follow you home or anything like that. We just want to get a chance to, uh, to get to know you, talk to you, share our hearts, hear your hearts and everything, and, and see if we're a place that God knits your heart to. Because uh, if we're supposed to be a part of your story and your journey, then praise God, we want to be a part of it, and we want to we want to uh, help you and assist you in 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 your going on with God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, having said that, I'm only going to be in one passage of scripture today, but out of Psalms, it's not a short one. But it's only one. We're going to be in Psalm 73 today. And uh, this will be the first in a month-long uh, series. Uh, I don't know if, it, if there will be a fifth week or not. I think I may make a five-weeker out of this. But this is the first in a series called Refiner's Fire. How many of you know holiness should be our pursuit in the Lord? The Bible says, be ye holy as the Lord your God is holy. You know, it's he that does the sanctifying work, but it should be our desire. Do y'all remember the song, Refiner's Fire, my heart's one desire is to be Holy, set apart for you, Lord. I choose to be holy, set apart for you, my master, ready to do your will. The desire to be holy as he is holy. Not that we fully perfected, but we're striving for it. We desire to be a reflection of him, a more accurate reflection of him more and more and more. And we engage him so that he can do the work. We invite him to. We agree with it. We partner with it. We yield to it. Because our desire is to be like him. And so uh, today... I'm going to focus on being refined by his fire in different ways throughout the month or so, but going to start off with our perception being the first, <laughs> the first thing that needs to be refined. You know, in, in marketing parlance, a lot of times, uh, marketing, you say, hey, perception is reality. And like a lot of times, Things sound all neat and nice and everything, but it's a lie. Perception is not reality most of the time. Do you remember being a young child? Some of you might not want to go back that far. Maybe your childhood wasn't a very pleasant experience, but I want you to remember being a young child. Think about how different your perception was at age five compared to your current age. As a little child, I considered, it an, I considered it an injustice if another kid was allowed to play with one of my toys. Even if I was playing with a different toy at the time, I didn't care. 
It was M-I-N-E, mine. And nobody but me should ever be allowed to play with it. But now, my perception, having matured a little bit, I enjoy sharing. As a kid, it was an immature perception. We understand that in a five-year-old, it becomes less understandable as you get older. When you're 15, we expect more. When you're 25, you're 35. So that's how I was at five. But over time, I learned to enjoy sharing and see the importance of it. When I became a teenager, it felt like an injustice when many of my peers were allowed to stay out later than I was and do stuff that I wasn't allowed to do. Maybe I was the only one. I thought I was missing out on life because of the unfair standards I was being held to with all the duties and and responsibilities. They get to do stuff. They have shared experiences. They're the cool kids on the block. All these kids are doing all this fun stuff. They're even able to do, you know, have some of the vices that there's no way it's going to happen in my house. And so now I'm just going to be, you know, felt like I was going to be a hermit or something. Thought I was missing out on life. Looking back on those two snapshot moments in my life, though, I realized that over time, my perception was refined through those circumstances. A lot of times, the circumstances that we have to go through in life, the ones that we don't like the most are the ones that are most beneficial to our development. And the the profession that we're in now the things that we've achieved, the things that we're doing now are a product of the refinement that took place in those circumstances. Those situations, I I would like to say my mom and my big mama, my grandmother, I'd like to say they relaxed their standards and bent to my will over time, but It never happened. They didn't change. They didn't relax the standard. They knew something that I didn't know. My my perception was that of at whatever immature age I was at the time, I just wanted what I wanted for my own reasons. I wasn't thinking about what was best for me for the long run. That's not where I was in life. But I fortunately had people in my life who were thinking about my future. And who did know that despite my protestations, despite how much I bucked against it, they held the line. Because they knew these things would be a benefit to me somewhere down the road. Eventually, my perception caught up. And now I can look back with appreciation on all those things that they did. What I thought was a detriment to me has now, I now recognize as a blessing to me. So our perception oftentimes is false. It's lying to us. And it causes us to develop attitudes against our authority figures. Attitudes, even an attitude against God. Man, some of the attitude and lip I gave God over the years, man. only to eventually find out that God was looking out for me and everything that happened was turned around for my good. Well, Asaph wrote the Psalm, 73rd Psalm. And we get a window into his perception, a window into his heart as we're going to read through this Psalm. I want you to read through it and I want you to see if you identify at all with what Asaph is going through. It says here in verse 1, 
Truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. So far, so good. God is good, isn't he? He starts off with the truth. Truly, God is good. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. Like they don't even get in trouble like everybody else. They get away with whatever they want. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens and their tongues struts through the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked. Always at ease, they increase in riches. All in vain have I kept, and here he goes. Here we go. He's observing. Now, this is a man who believed in the Torah, who believed in the Word of God, who didn't just give lip service to it, lived according to the word of God. He was faithful in the things of God. And he's noticing. Now, despite the belief that God is good to his people, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart, he's like, man, I have kept God's word. My heart seeks to do his will. I endeavor to do right before God in everything I do, and yet life is hard for me. This is injustice. I'm looking at the wicked out there, and the wicked are prospering. They don't even get the same consequences everybody else does. They're flaunting their success. They are arrogant. They're prideful. And it continues to pay off for them. And he says, and it led to him reaching this conclusion. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. In other words, what's the payoff? Why why am I doing this? Why, Why have I chosen the narrow road? Why am I walking with God if God's not going to make things fair and just and right and balance things out in my favor because I'm walking in the way that pleases him, but the people who have rejected him are living high on the hog, as the saying used to be. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. So here we have. This is what I love about the Bible, man. The Bible doesn't leave anything out. Right? There is some wonderful stuff in this psalm that they could have kept in and left all the bad stuff out. But that wouldn't be relatable to us, right? That wouldn't be achievable or attainable. None of us are always 100% holy, godly, full of faith, trusting God all the time. Life knocks us on our behinds sometimes. And then sometimes we find ourselves in situations, whether we're the five-year-old thinking it's unjust to have to share the toy. Mama made me share my toy. She's the worst woman in the world. I hate her.
Why can those kids still play? Why do we have to leave the park? Everybody else's kids are still out there playing. Why we got to go home right now? Why can I only stay out till 7? Everybody else can stay out till 10. I mean, all of our situations, whatever our situation was, we can find a reason to feel unjustly treated in it and feel like things are not fair, life is not fair. And what do I tell my what have I told my kids, y'all, who know me? Yeah, the fair only comes once a year. It's a place where they sell fried Twinkies and, and, and judge pigs. Fair is not what life is about. If you go through life expecting fair, you're going to live a miserable life. But he gives us a glimpse of what is to come when he says in verse 2, I know God, after saying God is good, in verse 2 he said, but as for me, my feet almost stumble. Uh, 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 he, he said, I almost bought into the deception. I almost bought into the lie. I almost bought into the falsehood. My heart was so grieved, was so angry, was so frustrated, I began to envy the wicked. You know what that means? His perception wasn't a kingdom. It wasn't an eternal perception. It was a what I see in front of my face perception, right? That's all it was. All I'm seeing is my circumstances, the here, the now. And I'm seeing people who aren't good people in better circumstances than I'm in. When I don't cheat people, I don't stab people in the back. I don't lie on people. I don't uh, commit crimes. I don't do these things. I do the right things because that's what God has called me to. And now... I'm infected with comparisonitis, right? I'm comparing my circumstances to them, and it's not right. It's an injustice. You know, that's why we can't allow ourselves to get lost into that kind of thinking. Because that kind of thinking, it... It, 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 it shoves God or it erases God from the context. And you're only looking at things in the natural things as they appear to be on the surface. And as long as we allow ourselves to be that way, we're self-centered in our thinking. We're looking and we, we wanted one thing, but God is allowing another and now we're mad at God for letting this thing happen because I don't deserve this. This is not fair. This is an injustice. We are lying to ourselves. We're slipping. Our foot is beginning to stumble. We need to park ourselves in Psalm 73 and learn the lessons of this psalm because he, he, he knows what it's like to be in that devolving state emotionally and mentally and we're going to find out he knows what it takes to get out of it but he almost stumbled his steps had nearly slipped because he was envious of the arrogant he was guilty he was uh, uh, envious of those who are bound for destruction Maybe, maybe some of you are in that place right now. You've got choice words for God. You're, you're fed up. Your, your, your circumstance is frustrating. Man has screwed you over and you feel like God has done the same thing. Let me be the one to tell you your feet are slipping right now because you're, you're, 
you're believing the lie. You're believing the deception. Verse 1 said God is good. He's good to Israel. Through Christ, we've been grafted into the covenant that God made with Israel. So he's good to his people, which means he's good to his church. He's good to his sons and daughters. Amen? Amen. And God is good no matter what your circumstance is, right? If God, see, see, God is who he is. He does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he was good last year, he's good this year. If he was good yesterday, he's good today. If he was good in the previous hour, He's good this hour. If he was good when you, were, when you were being blessed and everything was going your way, he's good now that it isn't. Who he is, what his character is, does not change based on your circumstances. God doesn't need to change you. And in this case of today's message, your perception needs to change needs to be refined. Maybe the circumstances you're undergoing right now is part, of God, is part of the refiner's fire process. And so maybe it's time for you to let the refinement have its way. Are you hearing me? So we go back to 15. And no, he said, man, if I spoke this, you know, I envision him saying, man, I can't, I can't tell, I can't speak this in the church. <laughs> this, is, this is me. You may get something different out of it. I can't, man, if I speak this, it's a betrayal of, of the faith. If I speak this, man, I'm probably going to get shredded by the brothers. But this is how I feel, is what he's saying, right? And sometimes, man, we know, come on, if we're real, we know that there's stuff going on in our mind. There are things that we're saying. They may not utter from our lips, but man, it, it, it's how we feel, and those feelings are strong. And he goes in 16, but, everybody say but. He said, but when I thought how to understand this, you know, that, a lot of times, that's the rub. That's where the frustration is, right? We don't understand. At, a five, at the age of five, I didn't understand why my mom let the little boy visiting with his mom play with my toys. I didn't understand it. Didn't he have his own toys? No, he didn't. Right? <laughs> I mean, I'm a five-year-old. Doesn't he have his own toys? These are my toys. They're not his. Right? And so I didn't understand immature mindset, immature perception. It wasn't wrong what my mom did. It seemed wrong to me because I didn't have refined perception. So when he thought to understand this, it seemed to be a wearisome task. You know, not everything in life, everything in life isn't meant for us to be understood, or for us to understand it. It isn't meant to be understood by us. And when we're walking in faith, by, faith, uh, faith in the Lord, we're going to have to remember that scripture that we walk by faith, not by sight. There comes a time when, Lord, I don't understand this. I don't know if I ever will, but I understand who you are. I understand you're faithful to me. I understand you're good. I understand that I can put my trust in you and you're going to lead me and guide me through it. And somehow, some way, I'm going to come out the better for it. You know, my flesh wants this to be over. My flesh wants to not go through this. But obviously, that's not your will because I'm going through it. So now that I'm in it, Lord, I want the refiner's fire to refine me. So this guy said when he sought to understand it, it seemed to be a wearisome task. Until. Say until. Yeah. Now we begin to see a solution. Until. 
I went into the sanctuary of God. Hallelujah. Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. This place, wherever you go to church regularly, but this place is where we're at today. This place, the church. I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about the community of believers, the community of faith, the church, the community. Right? There's power there. There's, moreover, wherever two or more gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. There's the presence of God there in the community of faith. There's the presence of God there in the community of believers. And perspective can change in his presence in the house of God. Amen? And so he said, until... You know, it was too wearisome. I sought to understand this. It seemed too wearisome until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned therein. I want you to know his circumstance didn't change. He still had the troubles. He still had the hardships. The wicked were still prospering. But what he had was a change of perspective from one from just looking at what's right in front of him to an eternal perception. He says, then I remember, I discerned their end. There is an eternal reward that is mine. It doesn't guarantee that I won't go through the hardships that I've been going through in life. But there is a reward. There's an eternal end that's going to be a good end for me, and it's going to be a horrible end for them. Now, I don't relish that for them. I don't want that for them. My, my heart is the heart of Jesus. Heart, Jesus is hard for them to repent so that they can be counted among the beloved and receive the salvation of the Lord. But that discernment was important because, remember, he's envying the wicked. He's envying what they're getting in this life. And his mind is not focused on what's to come for him in eternity. Let's not be so focused on the here and now that we lose sight of eternity. Because there is a promise, an eternal promise awaiting us. Amen? And it is secure. The deposit of the Holy Spirit in us, right, that is the guarantee of the promise that is to come. And if we are to endure difficulties, trials, persecutions, tribulations, or whatever, just hard days, hard seasons in our lives and so forth, in advance of receiving that reward, then so be it. God, to God be all the glory, I will do it. In faith, trusting that God is using these circumstances with purpose. And if it's a refiner's fire, I have yet yet to experience direct contact with fire that was pleasant. Anytime I've touched something I forgot was hot, (laughs) guess what? I don't mind the heated blanket. I don't mind the, oh, I love the heated steering wheel feature, man, in the wintertime. Heated seats. I don't mind heat, but fire, man, it can do some amazing things. But if, if you're in the fire, there's, there's nothing pleasant about that. But just because there's nothing pleasant about the experience doesn't mean that there can't be pleasant results that come from it. God's fire is not meant to destroy you. It's meant to refine you. Just like gold or silver, you turn the heat up and the impurities rise and you remove the dross, the more heat you're subjected to, the purer the final result. Amen? 
And so let's appreciate the refiner's fire for what it is capable of doing in our lives. And, and let's desire that. Okay, but going back, I, I, I want to get back on track here. When he thought to understand it, it seemed to be too wearisome a task for him until he went into the sanctuary of God. In his sanctuary, in his house, in the fellowship with the saints, in the presence of God, his perception changed and he discerned, discerned their end. And all of a sudden he flips from, from uh, the first 14, 15 verses he's talking about comparing the wicked circumstances versus his own. Then in verse 16, talking about how his understanding, he was struggling, he went to church. I know it wasn't called church back then, but he went to church. Went to the sanctuary, got into the presence of God, and his perception began to flip. And he says, now he's saying, truly, talking to God, you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. He wasn't able to see this before, right? He's in the house of God. His perspective has changed. You set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. And I'll tell you what, there were times when out of ignorance, I was a beast toward God. Brutish. Rude. Angry. Disrespectful toward God. Angry at him because he's unjust. when the, nothing could have been further from the truth. He's admitting that. So, you know, when you're in that place, the last place you need to be is isolated. The last place you need to be is somewhere that's going to feed that deception, right? You, you know, you need to desire to run to the, the house of the Lord, the, the, the fellowship of the brethren, amen? You need to be in the fellowship with the community of believers not only, not just to fellowship with other brothers, because that's where you know the presence of God is. And you want to get into the presence of God. Yes, you're angry at him, but you need him. You're angry at him, because just like I was angry at five years old, when my mother, she had no right to share my toy with that boy. I know I keep going, I'm over it, really. I'm just, this is, this is just, this is just for the purposes of the, of the message. <laughs> uh, I'm serious, you know. <laughs> it's just for emphasis. But I felt that way because of my own immaturity, right? And so I was brutish, disrespectful. Angry, judged my mother harshly. We do the same thing with God. We're brutish, angry. In ignorance, we lash out at him, blaming him for the plight that we're in, in life. And usually we buy into the deception, boy, that devil is crafty, man. You know what? God, he's so mean. He could have prevented this. You must have did something wrong. He's angry at you. That's why he's sticking it to you right now. This is God. He's a sledgehammer. He keeps whacking you with that sledgehammer. This is God's wrath. This is God's meanness toward you when nothing could be further from the truth. So when we're lashing out, we're brutish. We're being brutish. We're being ignorant. We're being disrespectful. We're, 
we're lashing out because we've grabbed a hold of the lie. And we've allowed the lie to, to distort our perception of God, of his character, of his love toward us. And it distorts in our own hearts and minds what we should know to be true about God's word. Amen? And so... I didn't need my mom to stop sharing my toys. What I needed to do was mature, right? I needed to be refined. And over time, refinement came. Some of it was just natural growth and maturity, but I was aided along the way in that. You know, there were, through some, some stern talking tos, some, some timeouts, some, some whoopings. <laughs> You know, it was a smorgasbord of, of different discipline options. But, uh, but along the way, I eventually matured, and it, came, and it got to a point to where mom no longer either had to share them for me or talk me into sharing the toys. Uh, I, I was able to eventually think outside of myself and learn what, it's to, what, it's, what it means to be kind and consider it, and to bless in others and to share with them. Amen? And so growth should be naturally expected. But he admits to being brutish and ignorant in his lashing out at God. He was like a beast, lacked understanding. Remember, he's in the house of God as this revelation changes. And then I was like, what was there? What was there in the house of God that helped Asaph? There may be some things that immediately come to mind, but I have to ask the question. What was there in the house of God that helped Asaph? Well, tell me, what, what are some things that, are, that, that could help somebody that happens in a church service? What was it? Worship? All right. Holy Spirit, Amen. Fellowship, the word, he said the Shekinah glory, all right, the loving the Lord, right, you know, spiritual eyes open, but the things that help, you know, the things that might help open our spiritual eyes, the things that might help our perception be changed as we come in, you know, there, you know, yes, there is the worship. There is the word. You know, there is the fellowship. Maybe God sends somebody to you with the word of, of exhortation or encouragement, what have you. The Holy Spirit is working. All of that happens because in the house of God is the presence of God. He's here. And in his presence, Nothing about the circumstance might change, but everything can change in the presence of our God. Hallelujah. And so, so I don't know what it was exactly, if it was the word, if it was the worship, or if it was a combination of all those things, but Regardless, the important thing is that the answer came to him while he was engaged in the public worship of God. Well, he was engaged with the people of God in worship of God. Discernment came. Perception change came. 
And it happened because even in his uh, state of mind, his state of distress, he didn't go to the house of God and just go through the motions. He went to the house of God to really engage God. And God met him there. So that's the challenge here. You know, life gets you down. You're going through hardships. Sometimes we come to church and we just put in our time. I'm here, but I'm not really here. You know, uh-uh-uh. Don't, don't, don't fall for the lie. Don't fall for the deception. You know, and for me, I was there. When I was here, but not really here uh, throughout my life, when I was at church and not really there, was when I was angry at God. I didn't want to engage God because God was, at, was to blame in my mind. I was believing the lie. And so here I am in the house of God. Worship is going on, but my lips may be moving, but I'm not worshiping because I got an attitude towards the one I'm supposed to be worshiping. And so you know, I'm here. I don't want, you know, I don't want to be judged. I don't want it to look like I'm not, you know, being spiritual. But I ain't being spiritual. I ain't, walking, I ain't engaging God. And so in that state of mind, I'm likely to leave no better off than when I came. Because I came there, but I may as well have not been there because I was there in my rebellion. I was there based on a falsehood. And my faith wasn't in the truth. My faith was in the lie. And I didn't engage the one that I needed to. All right? And so I'm speaking. I don't know who I'm speaking to today, but, but, but if that's where you're at, then you're falling for the deception. It's time for you to reject the lie and engage God in spirit and in truth. Because the circumstances are lying to you, your feelings are lying to you, God is good. And he has your good at heart. Amen? And so I'll finish up. After admitting that he was a brutish beast towards God, he says, I love this. Yeah, I was that way toward him. He says, nevertheless. Say nevertheless. nevertheless. Yeah, I was a jerk towards you, God. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. See, there was a time when he thought God had abandoned him. But if he says, I'm, he's talking to God, you know, I love the way he finishes off. It says, you and I, God. You and I, you and I is how these last few verses are finishing up. If he's continually with God, that means he's acknowledging that God is continually with him. Which means, despite how the circumstance might make you feel, God never abandoned you. <laughs> Amen? Right? You may be in a place that you are forced to be in right now. You didn't want to be there, but you got to be there. It was somebody else's decision, somebody else's authority to put you there. And, 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 and you feel hemmed in. You feel imprisoned. You feel wronged. But, but you're there, and you feel abandoned there. I want you to know, hey, if you're walking with the Lord, you're, not, you're never abandoned. He's continually with you. And he believed that when he engaged God in the house of God. Nevertheless, I, I was beastly towards you, but nevertheless, now I realize I am continually with you and you hold my right hand. <laughs> Hallelujah. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel and afterward you will receive me to glory. Hallelujah. See, there, uh, there is blessings in this life, but there is also blessing in the life to come. Right? You're always with me and you guide my hand and you lead me and, 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 and you have a place prepared for me to be with you where you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth I desire 
beside you. Now, this is the God that was once envying what the wicked had. And now his perspective has changed. Now there's nothing on earth that I desire more than you. His circumstance hasn't changed. His perception has. And yeah, he had to go through a difficult season. He had to go through some hardships, and that led to some internal strife. And that had to be resolved, and it can only be resolved as he went to the house of God and engaged God around that issue. God met him there. And in that, and in that encounter with God, his perception, I'll say in this case, his perception was refined. And maybe your perception is what God has put into his refiner's fire. And he's allowed the heat to be turned up so that you can go from walking by sight to walking by faith. So that you can go from being self-centered, self self uh, 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 self-oriented, right, believing lies about God, to yielding to God's will and God's way and, and, and embracing God's truth no matter the circumstance. I'm starting with perception because perception, I tell you what, per, per, uh, perception affects what we do. It affects how we perceive, it, 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 it affects how we interpret things. It affects vision, the ability to have vision and confidence and all those things. It, 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 you know, it affects whether or not we can make progress or whether we'll be stuck where we're at. A lot of times, you know, we can't get where we need to go because of bad, unhealthy, stinking thinking. It's like the elephant in the circus. Got the little shackle around this big old foot. And this guy, I don't even know if they, I don't know if they still have circuses, but and this guy's got the, got the elephant, and this elephant is roped to a stake in the ground. That thing could never hold that elephant in a million years. Right? But ever since that elephant was a baby, it's been trained that it's, you know, it's been trained to stay tethered to the rope. It's conditioned in its mind that that's the limits of what it can do. And it'll just do what it is trained to do. But if one day, it, out of fright or whatever, it ever pulls that thing up out of the ground, it's a game over. Game changer. You got to find another one to train because now, guess what? Perception has changed. I pulled that thing out of the ground and I didn't even feel it. Now you're beginning to know his own strength. <laughs> you know, knows that what he thought was a limitation isn't a limitation anymore. You can't, you, you, you can no longer go there and trust him to stay within the bounds of what he thought was, what he used to think was impossible now becomes possible. What he thought he couldn't do, now he knows he can. And so, so we can't become, you know, uh, uh, slaves to these mentalities that we are incapable of doing things in the Lord. But we also can't become victim to believing deceptions and lies about God and whether or not he's for us or abandoned us. Those should be settled issues in our hearts. And if you're feeling abandoned by God, let down by God, abused by God, forgotten by God, I'm telling you in no uncertain terms, you're believing lies about God because he is continually with you. And there is not a thing that he's allowed in your life that was meant for your harm. If you're going through it, even though it's unpleasant, God has purpose in, in it. And, 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 and even, I don't know, whether it's your fault or someone else's fault, 
God can turn that thing around and use it for your good. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My question to you today, is there anything on earth that you desire more than God? Or as much as you desire the things of God? Because if there is, then there's an imbalance. Because there should be nothing on this earth you desire more than God. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You know what? My, my, my strength, my body may fail me one day. I was a young man at one time, and now I'm older. <laughs> <laughs> can't do some of the things I used to do without even thinking about it you know our bodies are going to fail us as we get on in life and there are going to be times when my emotions fail me we may fail our flesh may fail our heart may fail there will be times when Fear gets the better of us, and, and, and we, we, we end up being like Peter when he denied the Lord three times. We might fail. There will be many times when each of us will fail. But God is the strength of our heart, and he is our portion forever. You know who will never fail? God. So don't let your circumstances lie to you and so you start believing that God has failed you when God hasn't failed you. You may not understand what God is doing in your life at the time, but one thing's for sure, you know, he's not going to fail you. And he's not going to abandon you. And whatever he allows in your life is not because he hates you, not because he has it out for you. Some of the things in my life that I hated going through the most, there came a time when I looked back on them and realized that I needed those things the most in order for me to become who God knew I was to become. (laughs) He allowed those things to happen because I needed to be refined, right? The refiner's fire is needful. It's a great benefit to us if we... Allow God to do his work in our lives. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord my refuge that I may tell of all your works. Make the Lord your refuge. It's good for you to be in the house of God. It's good for you to be in the presence of God. It's good for you to be near God. Make him your refuge. Not wishing that you had as much money as the next guy or the, as much a bigger, as big a house as somebody else or you know, or you were doing as well in your career as someone else or or whatever it is. Your guy wins an election over somebody else's guy winning an election. Forget all that. The Lord is your portion. And even when things don't go my way, God is still my God. Amen? And he's my portion forever. And as long as God is my portion, I'll never lack what I truly need. Amen? Please stand. Hallelujah. Please stand. Hallelujah. So my... You know, my challenge to you today is to really, again, reflect. I don't have to convince anybody. You know if the word of God is for you or not. And if God has pricked your heart, then you have a responsibility to respond to him in faithful obedience. 
So if you're that guy or that woman whose feet have been slipping, you've been comparing, you've been taking notes, you've been observing the contrast between your circumstances and others and and what you know of their faith or lack thereof and yours. And you're making a judgment in your mind about God and his character and how unfair or how unjust he is. It's not by accident that you're here today and you're hearing this truth. You're here hearing this because God wanted you to hear it. You needed to hear it and you need to repent. Just as Asaph had to do in that 73rd Psalm, he acknowledged, Lord, I was brutish. I was rude to you. I was a beast towards you, O God. A beast lacks understanding. It lacks an intellect, the ability to comprehend things on an intellectual level. He said, I was a beast out of my ignorance. I behaved this way towards you, Lord. But now here in your presence, along with the people of God, uh, uh, I, I now consider these things that I'm going through in light of eternity. And now the perspective has changed. The perception has been refined. And now I worship you in light of your truth, in light of who you truly are. I acknowledge you. Now I'm able to worship you in spirit and in truth. I want you, in order for you to worship God in spirit and in truth, you're going to have to challenge yourself. Be honest with God and get right with God concerning those attitudes and judgments against him. And if that's, you know, if that's you today, then I want to invite you up. I, I, I want you to just forget all eyes that are on you and just, you know, just to come and, and meet with me and uh, we'll see what God has for you. And just make this that day that you just stop believing the lies. You stop believing the deception and you decide that you want the refiner's fire in your life. You want the refiner's fire to refine and mature you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, just thank you for ministering to your people, oh God. They love you, God. We all, we love you. Lord, in our human frailty, in our weakness, a lot of times, Lord, we give in to those temptations. We give in to deceptions and we give weight to them in our minds and it affects how we view you, affects how we feel about you, Lord. It affects how we approach you. And to the point that we approach you sometimes in a dishonoring way. When you are worthy of all honor, all glory, all worship, all praise, we give ourselves license to give you disrespect and act like brutes towards you, O oh God. But, oh God, convict our hearts of that sinful behavior Lord lead us to repentance hit us with your refiner's fire Lord change our, per our perception By your grace, move us 
to be in your presence in the house of God amongst the community of believers, oh God, followers of Christ. Lead us to the place we need to be where your presence is so that you can change us in your fire, oh God. Lord, I thank you for everyone here. I pray your blessing on everyone, every hearer, oh God, and that everyone was ministered to in the way that they needed to be ministered to, Lord, according to how you're working in their lives and and, and the plan that you have for them, Lord. I pray that your perfect will is done in each and every one, oh God. Turn up the heat of your refiner's fire in our lives. Purify us, oh God. We want to be holy as you are holy, oh God. Refiner's fire My heart's one desire Is to be holy Set apart for you, Lord I choose to be holy Set apart for you, my master, ready to do your will. We give you glory and praise, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.